let's talk about Taylor Swift, shall we? We shall. This is the Weekly Squeeze. I'm your talented and a humble host, Hanala Music, coming at you from the land of Israel with episode 174. You know where I am not coming from? I am not coming from the Grammys because I wasn't invited. <laughs> but you know who was? Taylor Swift. Because Taylor Swift, well, she's invited to everything because she's the queen of everything because she's Taylor Swift. She's even invited to fundraisers that Selena Gomez is invited to to raise money for Gaza. Anyways, everybody's talking about the Grammys. Now, when I was a kid, the Grammys were a big deal because that's when you saw your favorite artists. You saw them perform. You didn't usually see them dressed up. You saw them in their music videos. You saw them in their posters or at their concerts. So to see them all gathered in this room winning awards that people voted for, for best album, for best song, for best lyrics, for best arrangement, best score... Seeing that in real time was delightful and people talked about it for days, what people were wearing and what people said. Because when you have celebrities together, well, that is an opportunity to draw attention to what you want to say to the world. The whole world's watching. This is your platform. You're courageous because you're saying it on a mic in front of all your peers, all your fancy, schmancy, judgmental, bitter peers. <laughs> and um, Taylor Swift, well, she once again did not show up for the Jews. So... We have the Grammys, and she gets her, like, 13th Grammy, and she makes sure to announce that, so she's not feeling humble at all. <laughs> and she says, well, you know, this is my 13th Grammy, and I have a new album coming out, and me, 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 and I'm amazing, and life is great, and I'm beautiful, and I'm rich, and I'm perfect, and I'm adorable, and you're going to love me, and you love me, and everybody loves Taylor Swift. So that's her speech, and of course, nothing about the hostages. Okay, so, you know, we get it. She's not talking about the hostages. Before I go to town on what I think about all that, I just want to point out what I saw coming. Had Taylor Swift swiftly and fiercely and genuinely addressed the issue in Israel, we wouldn't be where we are today. And maybe she wouldn't be where she is today, but I don't care about her, where everybody hates her. I mean everyone, because she didn't say, according to this is according to the Ford magazine, this is their report, Everyone's angry at her because she didn't use that Grammy stage opportunity to raise her fist and proclaim artists for a ceasefire or say free Palestine or wrap herself in a flag or set herself on fire or yell a la Akbar. Like she did not commiserate with the Palestinians. And now the Palestinians are annoyed. So that's where we are at. And you know what? Like I said, had she been clear, the truth would have been out there on the table for everyone to digest four months ago. And we wouldn't be at a place where somebody from our side puts a mic in her face and says, Taylor, can you say free the hostages? And she says, I can set that up. I could set that up, which is just a way of saying, you know, I could speak to my managers about it because I'm Taylor Swift and I don't think for myself I represent a brand and my brand is not ready to stand on the side of the Jewish people. That's what I take away from all that. And I'm glad that she's happy and beautiful and successful and dating a basketball star, baseball or football, whatever he plays. And, you know, representing the beautiful American dream that so many covet. But to me, she's, you know, morally, ethically bankrupt because she, she couldn't pick a side. And that just tells me that she doesn't know what side to pick. And she knows the whole world is talking about her. She knows that she matters. She knows that she can influence the vote. She can endorse Joe Biden and put him into the White House in 30 seconds, even if he's already at the cemetery in the ground. <laughs> like that's how powerful Taylor Swift is. 
And she knows the truth. How could you not know the truth? This is a woman who seeks truth. I mean, she's one of the most introspective women in the world. All she does is write songs. When you write songs, you think, you read, you discover, you, you really try to get to the heart of the matter. You're telling me she can't get to the heart of the matter? She doesn't see what's happening here? She doesn't know? Forget about her Christian values, which made her America's sweetheart. So Taylor Swift is, uh, in my black book, a person non grata to me at this point. So that's my little vart about Taylor Swift. Let's move on to another blonde celebrity. I wouldn't say she's as famous as Taylor Swift, but a lot of people know her on TikTok for her dancing videos. Montana Tucker became super popular in the from community, in the Jewish community, when she shared on TikTok that her grandparents are Holocaust survivors. And she was very open about it. I think she went to Auschwitz and she was just very moved and connected to her Judaism from that point forward. And it was no surprise, at least not to me, that she showed up in Israel and she was here and she's been vocal about what's going on and she has spoke up for the hostages. She's demonstrated, she's using her social media platform and at the Grammys, she made the biggest statement of all when she showed up with a huge yellow ribbon on her dress, pinned to her dress, bring them home, reminding the world that nothing you have is worth anything. If you can just forget about other people just like you who are suffering just for being who they are. I mean, isn't that what Hollywood's all about? Isn't that what music is all about? Isn't that the message of the Grammys that everybody can be and show up and express themselves as they wish, including the Jewish people? who, by the way, also just don't want to be murdered, side fact. So we're just going to be right here in this tiny little country in the Middle East, uh, hanging out, you know, doing our thing, inventing a whole bunch of stuff for everybody else in the world, including most of you sitting there at the Grammys. I mean, there's a whole bunch of things operating around you that wouldn't be if Israelis weren't here in Israel, um, able to live peacefully and create and use their Jewish minds and skills and seichel and survival instincts to create things that you guys can enjoy and make money from. So if I had been there, I would have insisted, or if I had a say, if I had a word, if I was anyone involved in the Grammy-making decision department, I would have requested seats in the front three, four rows for all the hostages with pictures of them with the artists that they love most. That way there could be like a connection in people's heads that these are their fans who are, we don't even know where they are. We know that too many of them are not going to make it back to Israel in time to survive this nightmare. And they're still living October 7th. So the fact that Taylor Swift couldn't say anything, the fact that Annie Lennox, I mean, are you even relevant anymore? She's the one who traveled the world on the seven seas. Well, she learned nothing because she knows nothing. Nobody cares what Annie Lennox has to say. In any case, so Montana goes viral for wearing this dress on the red carpet it shows up on every single Jewish social media platform possible. And I just have one tiny critique. I'm just saying, considering she was making such a statement, would it have killed her stylist to create a dress with a top? That's all I'm saying. And maybe a, a lining. That's it. That's my whole criticism. I mean, you're representing Israel. The whole world's looking at you. Nishka Ferloch, if your dress is like a little more on the, you know, Basiakov from side, <laughs> is that too much to ask for? I don't think so. Anyways, 
Everyone looked stunning. I'm so happy for all the celebrities. I hope they all live happily ever after. Um, but I will no longer support artists that don't support me. And I live here in Israel, and I I, I deserve a peaceful life on Taylor Swift's cheshman, which means if Taylor Swift has to take slack and has to lose money and has to perhaps get a couple of angry tweets because she stands up for Israel, well, so be it. I mean, so I mean, isn't that worth it? I mean, in the grand scheme of things, wouldn't you prefer to be a person that goes down in the history books for being on the right side, for choosing life, for standing with good, for believing in the Jewish people, for supporting Israel, for speaking up for the hostages, for defending Jews around the world that are being persecuted just for being Jewish and either being in Israel or not being in Israel, whatever the <laughs> flavor of the day is, whatever the argument of the hour is, whatever the latest TikTok blood libel is. You know, wouldn't you prefer to be on that side? I mean, what, what matters to you? Do, do children starving in Africa matter to you? I hope they do. I mean, we all would like to fix that problem, but let's just tackle one thing at a time and recognize that if Israel was given the chance to flourish, if Israel was allowed to live out its dream, if Israel, if the Jewish people were safe here in the Middle East with the support of the international community, everybody's life would be better. Except Taylor Swift, her life is already perfect, but everybody else, their life would improve. The entire world would be more stable if Israel was at peace. The entire world would benefit if the Israeli worker could go to work and do what he does best, whether it's growing tomatoes, creating apps, flying airplanes, or driving a bus. The entire world would benefit if the Israeli high school students didn't have to give up their lives for their country and instead could go to the best colleges in the world as exchange students so that they can share some of their integrity and some of the values that they've learned here living in a country that's constantly been threatened but still remains united because that's what it's all about, loyalty and family and God and religion and what matters in life is protecting those values. I mean, the whole world would be a better place if Taylor Swift said one flippin' word. I could set that up. That's what she says. I could set that up. Let me know when you set it up, Taylor. I'm waiting. I won't hold my breath. Um, Harvey Mason Jr., the Recording Academy CEO, well, he wrote a little speech, and in that speech, he mentioned the, the, the kids from the Supernova Music Festival. But he sandwiched it in together with the victims of the music hall murder massacre in Paris, the Manchester Arena in England, at an Adriana Grande concert, and, and now the Nova Music Festival. And that was intended to, I guess, remind the audience that we live in a world that's so divided we, God forbid, should never get to a place where our music space, where we all stand in peace and harmony, is threatened. And then they performed a string quartet with Israeli and Palestinian musicians, which makes no sense because Palestinians are not good musicians. <laughs> They're the worst musicians. I once saw them perform, I don't know, some song, um, some anthem. And boy, was it bad. Boy, was it bad. In any case, to me, this is crumbs. To me, it's crumbs. Like I said, I would have put the survivors, I would have put the hostages, I would have put them all over the Grammys, I would have made that the theme of the night, I would have filmed, showed a video. I would have showed the 47-minute video, Rahman al-Litzlan. That's what should have happened. There should have been like, surprise, this is what we're doing tonight, and then Miley Cyrus will be performing. Woohoo! I'm Israel Chai.
I think we need to get a little aggressive. I do. Um, okay, so that's my Taylor Swift recap <laughs> for all your Taylor Swift news. Oh, and she's putting out an album, which she's calling Free Palestine. Just kidding, but you never know. All right, uh, news from Israel. Let's get down to it. I know that a lot of you don't know exactly what's flying because there's so much news coming out of Israel. A lot of it's detailed. A lot of it is in Hebrew. And you might at this point just be like, let me know when they won the war. Just let me know. Unfortunately, that's not a luxury I can afford myself. So let me keep you in the know what's going on here in the Holy Land. First of all, it's been raining nonstop. I think we had like 13 days consecutively of showers, which is a very, very good thing. So we will take that bracha. What else has been going on here? Oh, the, what's his name? The Argentinian president, Javier Millet. He's in Israel. He came to Israel and boy, did he come to Israel. He came to the Western Wall and he was sobbing. He was sobbing. That man has a Jewish neshama for sure. Um, Hamas. <laughs> I can't. I probably can't. Hamas was livid on Tuesday. They were livid. After he announced during a visit to Israel that he would move his country's embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Who is asking Hamas their opinion at this point? Who even cares what Hamas thinks? I actually saw on Memory TV, that's Egyptian television, that the Palestinians, the Israelis have access to, and the journalist, the, the anchor, the commentator, he is ranting and raving at the Palestinians for their foolishness. He said, look what you did. Now the Israelis and Hamas are killing you. What have you gained? Everything has been destroyed. Like, did anyone think that this was a good idea? What was the strategy here? Has anything been improved for the Palestinians? Has ever, anything been better? Is anyone making more money? Is anyone warmer? Is anyone spending more time with their families? I mean, what exactly was the end game here? Are you closer to getting Jerusalem? Because to me, it seems like you're literally a kilometer further. Like, that's what Israel's been doing. They're literally creating what I hope to be a moat with crocodiles between Gaza and Israel's borders. Like, completely. So you've lost land, you've lost lives. Even UNRWA's been canceled, okay? When, when UNRWA's been canceled, you lost the plot. That's it, you lost the point. You lost the point. So you built your tunnels, and now you're all trapped in the tunnels, where I'm sure it's miserable, okay? It's, it's cold here, and it's wet, and Israel's doing whatever they can to make sure that it's miserable. Imagine being in a tunnel, knowing that if you go out of the tunnel, you'll probably get shot by an Israeli soldier. And if you stay in the tunnel, at some point, you're going to be commanded to go out of the tunnel to try to attack Israeli forces, and then you'll probably die then. So you probably should just stay in the tunnel, surrounded by terrorists in the cold. You know, that's the plan. Like, you know, and, and Israel is bombing from above, and at any moment, well, it might be a bunker bomb that takes you to. So I hope everybody's having a good time. But even in Egypt, they know that this was stupid because evil doesn't accomplish anything. It just destroys. You can't win with hate. It's just impossible. I mean, if this is not clear, I don't know what is. That's why I have become a more loving person, by the way, a much more accepting, open-minded, compassionate person to the extent that I found myself just cheering Noah Kirel on last night as she performed on Kohavaba, which means the future star, um, at their finale. So that show has been filming this entire month. They have a live studio audience. They bring on different Israeli singers to perform. Obviously, this is not for the Haredi crowd. This is not for the ultra-Orthodox. It's not for people who keep Kol Isha. Um, but it is a talent show that airs here in Israel. It's very popular. And they had a finale last night, and they chose the performer that's going to be on um, Eurovision. 
Hang on. Kochav ha. But I'm going to look up all the names. There's a lot of names to remember. All right. Here we go. So, yeah. So, there's four finalists after 22 episodes, after three months. And Eden Golan was chosen as the finalist. She's another beautiful Israeli girl with purple hair. I didn't see her performance. I didn't hear her song. Um, but what I did see was Noah Kirel performing. And wow. That's all I could say about that girl. That girl is a force to be reckoned with. Okay, first of all, the song choice. She sang Chai, 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 Am Yisrael Chai, Zashir Shel Saba, Sharet Mol Le'aba, Vehayomani. Which means, Am Yisrael Chai, we are alive, the Jewish people are alive. This is the song my grandfather sang to my father, and today I sing it, Am Yisrael Chai. And she wore a throwback yellow costume. Obviously, it said Chai on it with a star of David. Uh, but a bright yellow costume as a nod to the original performance in 1998 when Ofra Chaza performed that at Eurovision and won. Chai, chai, chai. Am Yisrael Chai won Eurovision. Hard to believe. Won or second place, but definitely was received with a lot of love and appreciation. Uh, you know, the world was very happy to see Israel alive and singing and proud and and, and being able to submit their musical talent on a world stage and win. So she performs this last night and it was just super like explosive. Um, you can actually see that on my Instagram account, my beautiful land of Israel. There's a link in my show notes. If you're not on Instagram, good for you. But if you are, follow that account and remember that it is Kol Isha. All right, let's talk about what's going on in Israel. Let's get down to the nitty gritty because I myself, you know, I'm just taking it in morning by morning, hour by hour. So let me see what the breaking news is. First of all, a soldier died today. Uh, I think this is the second soldier who died from an infection. Now, there has been fear of infections coming in from Gaza, from the war, from the fact that soldiers, their their wounds are exposed until they can be properly treated and taken out from these war sites, these battle zones, with severe injuries many of the times. I mean, exposed limbs... Israel now has dozens and dozens of amputees. By the way, if you are in the prosthetics business, now would be a good time to bring your business to Israel. Um, But yes, there was discussion about infections from all these scenarios and the exposure of being around the Gazans, who have lice and a hacking cough on a good day. So this is very sad. Hanan Drori, a reserve soldier from the community of Psagot, in the Benjamin region, a.k.a. a settler, 26 years old, leaves behind his parents and three siblings and was to become engaged soon. They tried to treat him with an experimental drug, Phosmengogipix. That's why I'm not in medicine. Um, but yeah, so that's very sad. And Israel continues to pay the heavy cost of fighting Hamas. Now, if you're wondering, well, what, what's actually happening? Like, where are they holding Well, for one, it's not a simple fight. This is one of the most complicated fights ever, like in modern history. And Israel's doing a pretty good job, all things considered. So don't believe what you see on the news. Israel has crunched the numbers. Friends of Israel have crunched the numbers. Enemies of Israel have crunched the numbers. They all add up. Israel is successfully killing less people than almost every other war that has to deal in civilian uh, neighborhoods surrounded by terrorists. So the fact that there's civilian casualties, honestly, I don't even look. It's not my problem. And it's not your problem either. It's just not your problem. Our problem is to protect the living here in Israel. And that's why our soldiers are still 
in Gaza, sleeping there night after night in the cold, in the rain, in the mud, in makeshift tents with makeshift bathrooms and makeshift kitchens, barely sleeping, getting up and just fighting for your life. So it's you either kill the terrorists or they will kill you. And there has been a lot of footage released where you can literally see the Chayalim running with these massive backpacks full of ammunition. Okay, It's not full of a teddy bear or, or, or bamba. It's full of ammunition. And they are running, holding machine guns that, by the way, weigh 20 pounds, while there's noise everywhere, wearing a helmet on their head, a heavy-duty helmet, making sure that they don't get shot and that they kill the terrorist running at them because the terrorist is determined to take them out or their comrades out. So they're all working together. Imagine that responsibility. And your entire goal is to get from point A to point B so you can clear another house that, by the way, is full of weapons. There's a tunnel under the kid's bed and terrorists on the walls who you recognize because they're famous in Gaza and in Israel for killing so many Jews. And you just want to get home to your family and to your kids and to your wife or your girlfriend or your parents or your siblings or whatever or to your Nintendo. It doesn't matter. So that's what the soldiers are dealing with in Gaza, while simultaneously clearing buildings, making that buffer zone, uh, removing booby traps, exploding tunnels, massive underground terror tunnels, which are fully functioning. Those are a big deal to destroy. I mean, that, that takes a lot of explosives. So Israel has their hands full, just clearing out the dangers that are at their doorsteps. And of course, Hamas is still threatening. And of course, there is no news of hostages, except that more families have been told that their loved ones are dead, that there's enough evidence based on information that's coming from Egypt because of these, uh, ne- these talks, these negotiations, these back and forths with Hamas. It has been revealed that more hostages are, are, are dead and that Israel um, could consider them bodies at this point, and I guess they have enough evidence that they've told the family. So now it hasn't made the news yet. I don't know which hostages it is. People go to the Chalabakes and to the hostage tent and there's posters everywhere and ribbons everywhere. So for, for, for Israelis, this is just another day of mourning when you know for certain that specific families are not getting their loved ones back alive. Um, Hamas wants all their prisoners, which they're not getting. They want a complete halt to the war, which they're not getting. And um, we are stuck between a rock and a hard place. Literally, we are stuck between a rock and a hard place. And I think every Israeli knew this the minute they heard there were 20 hostages, 30 hostages, 40, 50, 60, it was 100, 200. And then when the final number came in, 248, I mean, we knew the, the price we would pay. We knew the price we would pay. The question is, are the Gazan people paying the price? And that's what Israelis are asking themselves, including a Nova massacre survivor who went to the Karen Shalom crossing yesterday with busloads of people, including a, a, an envoy, a convoy from my neighborhood, um, a bus left at 8.15 in the morning, to go demonstrate, to block the 130 aid trucks from entering Gaza, the ones that have mattresses and flour and medication and water bottles and bamba and who knows what that is going to the people of Gaza. The people of Gaza, who this young woman who survived the Nova massacre says, murdered us, slaughtered us, tortured us, did it for years and will continue to do it for years. So why are we giving them food? Why are we supplying our enemies with anything humanitarian if they did not behave like humans? That's not how this works. 
So it's been tense. It's been tense. And I get very anxious when I start seeing the, 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 the brawls. And there are brawls because we have police who work for the government, and the government is supplying aid to Gaza. And then you have the army that has no police power, so they can't arrest people. And when people come to the border and the soldiers are suddenly dealing with hundreds of fellow Israelis, uh, who, by the way, could be relatives, could be friends. I mean, the soldiers themselves could be frustrated that food is going into Gaza. But they can't do anything. Their hands are tied. Israeli soldiers cannot make arrests. They cannot handcuff somebody for breaking a law. That's not their job. So you have police, and you have the soldiers, and you have a very, very discontented group of people. The situation is quite volatile, and unfortunately, people have been arrested, and fist fights have broken out. And it's painful to see, and it gives me anxiety, because every time I see that, I think, okay, what's coming? Don't we ever learn? And then I think, but what What can we expect? What can we expect? These, the, the situation is intolerable. This environment, I mean, it's intolerable. Israelis are losing it. Give us back our freaking hostages. What do you want? You know, what do you want from our lives? But that's not going to happen. Instead, we're going to free Palestine. And what about uh, Lebanon? Are we going to free Lebanon? Because Lebanon is making themselves heard by shooting very, very powerful missiles into Israel. We're not talking about the, the $500 ones from Gaza. This is a whole nother level. Their missiles have GPS systems on them. So Hezbollah, who live right over the mountains at the most northern point of Israel, they have hundreds of thousands of smart rockets facing us. Why? I don't know. What did I ever do to them? Like, seriously, what did I ever do to the people? I didn't even know there were people on the other side of the mountain. Like, Israelis could care less. Like, we literally go there just once in a while to get a change of atmosphere. Like, what did the people in Tzfat ever do to you? All they want to do is get high. Like, nobody's interested. But no, Hezbollah is threatening Israel. So now we need soldiers at our northern border and we need soldiers who are in the snow and on the Hermon and where it's freezing because even though Israel's very small, it's very geographically diverse and we have big mountains in the north and I've been there and lo and behold, there's snow, like legit freezing and the soldiers are, are burying the cold and holding their weapons and, and protecting our borders from savages. So now Israel has to deal with that. So... To say that this is over anytime soon, no, it's not over anytime soon because we didn't even address the 2 million Arabs that live in Israel. And I'm sure they're all fine until they're not. And then everyone in the West Bank and you know all, all the other terrorists that live amongst us or aside us. So Israel has their hands full. Um, another chayal died yesterday up north. And it's, it's hard times. It is hard times. It really, really is. But at least Taylor Swift is happy. Uh, the story actually is in the Wall Street Journal, where they're reporting as of this morning that as many as 50 of the hostages taken from Israel could be dead. Um, apparently, that estimate was presented by Israel during hostage negotiations in Cairo in recent weeks, according to Egyptian officials who have played a key role in negotiations for the release of hostages alive and dead still being held in Gaza. That means 80 of the 132 hostages are still alive and need to be returned right now. And I hope and pray that it's our Chayalim that find them. That would be the best scenario, all things considered. As of this morning, according to the IDF, there are ground troops in Gaza. They're bombing from above. They always say from the land, from the sea, and from the sky. 
troops from the paratroopers brigade killed dozens of terrorists in Khan Yunis over the last 24 hours. One by one, Hevra, one by one. They also found, surprise, large quantities of weapons, including AK-47 rifles, grenades, and explosive devices. If only we would live with our weapon, the Torah, like they live with their weapons, literally. One soldier said he came out of Gaza. The first thing he did was bought, purchased a picture of the Beis Amikdash and put it on his wall because every single house he went to in Gaza had a picture of Al-Aqsa, of the gold dome. And he said, the way they believe what they believe, if only the Jewish people would believe what we should believe, we'd be in a better place. I mean, the Torah is the solution. It's the anecdote to terrorism. So that's it. Increasing in acts of goodness and kindness and coming to visit Israel and supporting Israelis and spending your money here and making donations. If you haven't yet, I'm putting a link where you can donate to farmers. You can donate to uh, Gira for Chayalim. I don't take a cent from this. Neither do the people associated or affiliated with these charities. It's 100% going to Israel and to people who need it. So I'm putting two links um, and go ahead and make a donation and do a mitzvah and we will see goodness and blessings in our life. Breaking news. On February 19th, which is what, next week? Yeah, a week and a half. The uh, International Court of Justice is again going to meet to deal with its next debacle, the legal ramifications of the alleged Israeli occupation of the Palestinian territories. Obviously, this whole thing is a farce because what are the Palestinian territories? Who decided they are Palestinian territories? When did these Palestinian territories materialize? And there is so much evidence that the Palestinians are not a country. Even according to Arab-American historian Princeton University professor Philip Heaty, in his testimony before the Anglo-American Committee in 1946, he said there is no such thing as Palestine in history. Absolutely not. Referring to the Arab claim for the land. Uh, Hussein bin Talal, king of Jordan, in an interview with the Arabic newspaper Anahar al-Arabiya on 26th of November, 1981, he says, quote, the truth is that Jordan is Palestine and Palestine is Jordan. And there's enough evidence. Like I said, you can go to jcpa.org. I'm going to put a link in the show notes. And you can check out the Theater of the Absurd, commonly known as the International Court of Justice, uh, how their judges are preparing to ignore history, facts, and the fundamental truth about Israel. So if you go on their website, you will have plenty of access and supporting material to prove your point online and off that Palestine is the only country in the world that never existed before its occupation. But don't lose any sleep there, people. Hard at work uh, doing this kind of Hasbara stuff and uh, taking care, taking out the trash, like they say. Um, speaking of triage, Congresswoman Cori Bush, she tweeted out, quote, with over 27,000 Palestinians killed and after the preliminary ruling from the ICJ on potential violations of the Genocide Convention, it's unconscionable for the United States government to spend billions of dollars to continue enabling mass atrocities. So you're saying we should stop sending money to the Palestinians and to UNRWA? Anyway, so that's the tweet. And then she says that she's voting no on more U.S. military funding for the Israeli government. Well, it's a good thing you were the only one who voted no because, you know, Israel and America have a deep and long relationship, which I would like to discuss more. I'm actually reading a book now on that relationship. It's tedious. And I read it on Shabbos. And I live in Israel. And kids are coming in and out. And there's just, you know, there's life to be lived. I'm trying to get through this book. But I will tell you, I'm actually going to read to you what he writes here in the introduction of Friends Indeed, Yossi Melman and Dan Raviv. 
Um, and they write, the relationship between the United States and Israel has become to be one of the strongest, if strangest, in history. It cannot be explained by one single event, personality, or motive. Rather, it is the product of unexpected occurrences and dramatic coincidences. That's siyata deshmaya. That's minashamayim stuff. Forming a foundation on which dreamers, leaders, and ordinary people have added their intentional deeds. And though I haven't gotten far in the book, I have a feeling that there's a lot of divine providence in the relationship between Israel and America. And while America has a lot of allies, Israel has few. And I would hope to see that relationship preserved for years to come. Although, I don't have high hopes. I don't have high hopes. Um, so make Aliyah. <laughs> make Aliyah. That's what it all comes down to. Make Aliyah. Take one step today to get yourself closer to Israel. And then maybe you'll be invited to fun stuff. Like tomorrow, I'm meeting Speedy Beedy and that influencer with pink hair. I think it's Caroline. Uh, and we're going to pack meals for soldiers' families. And I am going to story that on my Instagram account. So you can check that out. The link is in my show notes. And be a part of something positive because that's how we're going to fix this act of goodness and kindness. All right, guys. So there you have it. Episode 174 of the Weekly Squeeze. Please rate my show. You can do it on Spotify. You go to the show. You click on the three dots. And you tap the fifth star. And you're good to go. You can do it on Apple Podcasts. Click on the name of the show. Scroll down. You can you know, leave your thoughts and click on all the links that I mentioned. The charity links and the WhatsApp chat and so on and so forth. I will see you on Thursday.